so Berto, a lot of people have been emailing us to talk about Donald Trump because we've had a couple episodes about him. That's right. And they really want us to weigh in because there's more data about his personality and that kind of thing. That's right. But I didn't really want to rehash all that stuff because in a nutshell, my position is that you cannot diagnose a politician or even someone that's in the limelight in any sort of way with a personality disorder, particularly one like narcissistic personality disorder, unless you get to know them clinically. That's right. In a in a clean environment where there's not a secondary gain uh, that affects their presentation. Now, he might be narcissistic. You could say that. There's no clinical definition. And egotistical. You could call him egotistical. That's fine. That's That's not a diagnosis. But I want everyone to understand that personality disorders are extremely complex. And there are a good percentage of clinicians that are practicing today that, in my view, are, in, are not competent enough to actually diagnose someone with a personality disorder. The vast majority of clinicians can, however, diagnose someone with depression or anxiety. These are very easy diagnoses to understand and to evaluate. Personality disorders are so complex that in some ways, some people will say, and I say this, that you need to be working with someone weekly for perhaps months before you can even make that call. You could say, it looks like maybe narcissistic personality disorder, <laughs> but I really have to experience this person for several more hours, week to week, and at a some later date, maybe six months down the line, then I can somewhat confidently say this person has narcissistic personality disorder. Now, Donald Trump, on the other hand, I, ha and as far as I know, no other psychologist, therapist, evaluator who is competent with personality disorders has ever come out and said they have information along those lines. So, People out there. Now, and here's my other point, and I've said this before, is that when we see things we don't like, when we see people we don't like yeah. in, in the world, there is this desire to label them with a mental illness. They must have a mental illness. And for me, Kirk, to say that Donald Trump, I'm not saying he doesn't have narcissistic personality disorder. I'm just saying there's no way for me to tell at this point. Right. There's no way for me to tell if Anderson Cooper has narcissistic personality disorder. I don't know. Listen, I have people who make these assumptions and just label people are just bipolar people. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this there's this you know when I when people attack me online for not labeling Trump with narcissistic personality disorder, what they think I'm saying is I'm defending him, which I'm not. Right. Uh, you, I'm just not really interested in getting involved. This isn't a political podcast. This is a psychological podcast. And so I'm going to comment on the fact that there are lots of people out there in the media and, frankly, clinicians diagnosing him with a personality disorder, and that's irresponsible. It's, frankly, unethical. And it's, it's, not, it's not a good portrayal of the mental illness or the mental health profession when people do stuff like that. And I'm, so I'm trying to uphold integrity. It'd be the same as if you were looking at Someone on the street, or 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 let's. This is actually a good example. Hillary Clinton fainted the other, you know, like That's right. a few weeks ago, right? Well, that would be like a doctor going on the radio and saying she clearly has bone cancer. They did. Everyone went and diagnosed her. That's left and right. That's <laughs> idiotic. 
and and uh, those kinds of diagnoses are actually easier to evaluate than a personality disorder. You don't need months to figure out if someone has bone cancer or if someone has pneumonia. Yeah, like I could imagine you see a video of her and she's jaundiced and I don't know, her eyes are a certain way and you happen to come across some report about her blood or something. Okay, I'm not saying you're right. You might be able to narrow it down to a few possible things might be happening with her health. Right. <laughs> but to definitively say she has X, is just based on the fact that it looks like she might have fainted. And right. if you look at the video, it's, it's kind of unclear. I mean, she looks like she might. It's like, how much did she faint? I mean, she, you know, they pushed her into the car pretty quickly. Isn't she like 78 or? Yeah, she's pretty, you know, she's up there. Like people at that age faint. They like yeah. Bush had a thing. Everyone's got things that happened to them. Well, whatever. The point is, is that it'd be the same as if someone were to do that. Well, so my other point here, if I haven't drilled down into it enough, is that this this effort when you hate someone, like a serial killer, for instance, I could say, you know, someone could point to a serial killer, and I and I could say, actually. There's not enough evidence to say that that person was a psychopath. Right. To a lot of people, that means that I'm defending the person. It means that I'm basically saying the person is is okay. Yeah. That oh, well, they're not. They're not. They don't have a mental illness. They don't have a mental disorder. Therefore, what they did was okay because what they do is they equate mental illness with a label of evilness or something. That's like right. in or if someone's evil and did if someone did something evil, they must be crazy. But I'm here to tell you the vast majority of evil acts are perpetrated by people without mental illness. The vast majority of terrible things that humans have done on the planet are done from people that do not fit the criteria for any diagnosis in the DSM or particularly a a DSM diagnosis that relates to the behavior. Like maybe they have a phobia for spiders, but that has nothing to do with the fact that they went on a killing spree. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the important thing I want people to understand is that because someone is evil, if you think Trump is evil, fine, that's your call. But that does not necessarily mean he fits the criteria of a DSM diagnosis. You have labeled him as evil. Great. That has nothing to do with mental health. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, but what if they went on a killing spree of spiders specifically? Right. Then they have spider killing philia. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirkonda. I'm a professor and a therapist. My name is Humberto Castaneda. I study spiders. So what we're going to talk about is Trump's apology, mainly because patron DeAndrea or DeAndrea or DeAndrea or I don't know how to pronounce your name, but patron, I think DeAndrea, DeAndrea. I don't know. DeAndrea. DeAndrea. Ooh, I like that. She is a patron of the podcast, and if you're not a patron of the podcast out there, become a patron, because then you get access to all of our premium episodes, our secret, and they're really long episodes. I just did one on histrionic personality disorder that was almost four hours long. I did a full deep dive on the history of hysteria, going back to the Egypts and the Greeks. and That's hysterical. And Freud and Charcot and Janae, and I actually learned a lot from making that episode. Uh, listen... Uh, basically, this is going out in the airwaves because um, there are all these topics that are about humanity and about our relationship to each other and about the history of our of our mind and our study of it. But you're becoming part of that history by helping the cause because basically you enable more of these episodes to be created. And this becomes a body of work that then can be listened to, learned from, debated, discussed, and uh, even harassed people online about. <laughs> so one of those people who did just that is patron DeAndrea. She says, 
Hey guys, I was scrolling through my social media this morning and stumbled upon the latest Trump scandal that I somehow managed to avoid yesterday. Part of it was Trump's apology, in quotes. Given that you guys recently did a podcast on the psychology of apologies, I would love to hear your thoughts on his apology. Berto, did you hear about this in the news? Yes. What is it? What happened? My understanding is, um, you know, a sound clip slash video surfaced from uh, 11 years ago where Trump was um, uh, bantering with a host of some show. Access Hollywood. Yeah. And then he was talking about... Billy Bush. Billy Bush. A cousin cousin to Jeb and... He's not a cousin. Yeah, he's related. He's a Bush? He's an actual Bush. No way. We've got Bush. (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, he was doing... um, some bantering, and he was talking about some married woman that he was trying to hit on and was failing at. And then they noticed the the gal that they were going to be um, interviewing, or the co-host of the show. Um, and they were, you know, they're like, whoa, she's really hot. And then Trump says, because up to this point, it was basically like him bragging about trying to go after a married woman things. But then he says... Uh, that, you know, hey, when he sees beautiful women, he just, you know, he can't control it. He just wants to kiss them. And, you know, they let you, too, because when you're famous, they pretty much let you do anything. You just grab them by the pussy. Yeah. Incidentally, he was married at this time to, I think, his current wife. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, you got it right. And so he has a lapel mic on, and he doesn't realize that it's still recording. That's right. Uh, And Billy Bush has it on, too. And they're talking to probably like seven, eight different people on this bus. Oh, and when they get off the bus, by the way, they encounter the woman. Yeah. And they... They have this little inside joke with each other because right. they were just talking about her and about. Right. And she's like, "Oh, why don't you give the Donald a hug?" Right. So Billy <laughs> Bush says, "You know, give give Donald a hug." And then uh, and then Bush says, "What about me?" No, he says, "What about Bushy?" He Bushy. Call, yeah. He calls himself Bushy. <laughs> so here's the exact quote: "I'm automatically." A tr- so this is this is Donald uh-huh. Trump. I'm automatic. And by the way, he said he did all these things. He didn't. Yeah, deny he didn't it. deny it. I'm automatically attracted to beautiful women. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. Yeah. So he is saying, well, that's what he's saying. Yes. He says, uh, I don't even wait. I just kiss them. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Just grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. That's right. So let's go to Trump's reaction here. Uh, here is his, he says, here's my statement. I've never said I'm a perfect person, nor pretend to be someone that I'm not. I've said and done things that I regret, and the words released today on this more than a decade old video are one of them. Anyone who knows me knows that these words don't reflect who I am. I said it, I was wrong, and I apologize. Okay, another statement that he made, I think on the same day. This was Locker Room Banter, a private conversation that took place many years ago. Bill Clinton has said far worse to me on the golf course, not not even close to what I said. I apologize if anyone was offended. Uh, More from him in another statement. Bill Clinton has actually abused women, and Hillary has bullied, attacked, shamed, and intimidated his victims. Uh, In a news conference... Just before the debates the other night, he brought three women, Paula Jones, Juanita Broderick, and Kathleen Wiley, 
who all three allege that Bill Clinton sexually assaulted or harassed them in the 1990s. So he brought them to a news conference to talk about what Bill Clinton did to them. And apparently Trump thinks that Hillary bullied, attacked, and shamed and intimidated these three women. And at the debate that followed, Anderson Cooper asked him, asked Trump, how he admitted to sexually assaulting women. He said, you know, sounds like you were admitting that you sexually assault women. And Trump said, no, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood. This was locker room talk. I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. Okay, so just getting it. So we're going to analyze all those statements as to whether or not they fit the criteria necessary for an apology in a second. But just to talk about more of the events is that prominent Republicans are calling for him to drop out or they're rescinding their support. House Speaker Paul Ryan has said that he's sickened by Trump's comments. And although he hasn't rescinded his support, yeah. he ha- has said that Trump will no longer appear with him on campaign events. I think this is unprecedented, at least as far as I've been alive and <laughs> paying attention. <laughs> right. That just weeks before, the major- or really even the, the period between the Republican National Convention, or any right. Democrat, and the election, that you have anyone in the party That's speaking right. out. That's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Hugh Hewitt, which is a conservative radio host, until recently he was a staunch supporter of Trump. He says, for the benefit of the country, the party, and his family, and for his own good, Trump should withdraw. His running mate, Mike Pence, said, I was offended by the words and actions described by Donald Trump. I do not condone his remarks and cannot defend them. Senator John McCain said he no longer supports Trump. Senator John Thune of South Dakota, the third highest ranking Republican in the Senate, previously uh, said he would support the nominee and no longer does. U.S. Representative Jamie Herrera uh, Butler from Washington State denounced Donald Trump on Saturday. Illinois Senator Mark Kirk, he rescinded his initial endorsement. He says, Trump is a malignant clown, unprepared and unfit to be president of the United States. So these are all Republican statements. I have not read one single thing from Democrats yet. Uh, Now, but Trump supporters are weighing in. Example, one person online, a woman named Cheryl, she says, this is how desperate Hillary is. She can't win on substance and platform, so she has to dig deep into the gutter. Nobody gives a hoot about something that was said privately among a bunch of guys. Berto, what do you think about that? about that idea um that idea about private not mattering is uh is just that's that cannot hold up when we're talking about leading countries and leading the world uh for example one could have excused i'm certainly not equating these things at all but i'm saying in the extreme one could say oh well you know the plans for nuremberg or for uh auschwitz and stuff like that those were all formed in private conversations amongst dudes of course you would never say even begin to think of such a defense right so um to say that something happened in private is one thing now i have an absolute problem with the double standard that that has happened in recent years where uh, someone leaks something from a from a gal who was you know like a nude photo of gal right? like a f- celebrity and then she says this is an absolute violation of my privacy which by the way it is right 
And then everyone, some people are outraged by that, which they should be, right? Yeah. And then in another case, someone leaks uh, a conversation that was intended to be a private conversation. And no one is outraged about the fact that we're leaking things left and right. So I, I feel that there's room in this world to be both outraged about the fact that we have no privacy right. sometimes. Well, a better analogy <laughs> would be when the Gawker people released that video of Hulk Hogan having sex. Someone yeah. took a video of Hulk Hogan having sex and, and then Gawker decided to publish it. That's That's more similar to... The filming of a of a woman being naked. I mean, Trump had he knew he was miked. Yeah. He had a mic on his lapel. He well, was, no, but but you know these women these women they took the selfies themselves. They were on their phone. Yeah, but you're breaking you're breaking in to their phone. Yeah. No one broke in to Trump's you know truck sure. here and sure. you know put a microphone on him. Mm-hmm. No one broke into a hotel. I mean. Men break into hotels and drill a hole in the wall and film women while they're, you know, these are, you know, by any definition of an illegal act. I, I think, though, if if the situation was that there there were cameras that people thought were off in a bus and you see a woman changing and that gets leaked, there would be outrage. Right. Even though you could, someone could say, oh, she knew she was in a bus, a no. media bus. No, I, I totally there agree. Were cameras. I, when, when the leak helps our ideology we are much more likely to approve of it and when it doesn't we're much more likely to consider it a breach of privacy yeah that that, that said it to the substance of the issue like the whether it's private or not it still reflects his line of thinking right so yeah i think most people would say this is relevant because he's a you know he's gonna he's you know he's running for president and his views on women and sexuality are relevant. Now, what I'll say is, is that the presidency can have a sexist attitude and that doesn't necessarily change things for the American people. Not to say that we shouldn't fight back against sexism, not to say that we shouldn't vote based on yeah. uh, the progression uh, to, to, to stomp on That's sexism. Right. And but, I, I made this point on Facebook, by the way. But but the the fact is is that the president has very little to do with day to day life. Yeah. Uh, the 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 system has everything to do with our life, yeah. and the president is a part of the system. You know, a pretty big player. But in the in the vast scheme of our system, of the capitalist system, of the Federal Reserve, of Wall Street, of the Supreme Court, of your state Supreme Court of Congress, your state Congress, the senators, the, you know, the prosecutors, the, the culture of police officers, the culture of, of white Americans. These things affect your everyday life. The president has very, very little to do with that, even in a practical matter. When you look at the way our government is structured, it, the president is a part of that, but, but pretty small compared to how much energy we put into the presidential election. If everyone just took 10% of the energy they put into the presidential election and put it where I think it counts, which is your local politics, Mm -hmm. your local representatives, maybe even your state local representatives, you know, you have, I don't know if everyone knows this, but you have representatives representing you who go to your state capital and pass laws or rescind laws or, you know, create tax codes that actually impact your life. 
I, I don't know if everyone even understands that. Yeah. You know, and these people are incredibly important individuals that make incredibly important decisions. And for us to focus this much on the president is just mis, you know, misplaced and unbalanced. And particularly when we're not even focused on the positions of these. I mean, how often are we talking about the voting positions of Trump and the voting positions of Hillary? Almost not at all. Oh, I would say not at all. Yeah. In the debate, almost nothing. I mean, the, the only I said almost because there is there are questions about how they're going to handle immigrants and how they're going to handle. Uh, taxes. You know, those are two things. But even then, up. it's said in such a way that's more ideology and sure. less actual Specifics. action. Sure. You know, when Trump talks about extreme vetting, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. I mean, under one definition, we're already extreme vetting people yeah. from every country. So what does that exactly mean? Yeah. It's all just, you know, fear-based bullshit that, you know, is being sold to the American people in this massive reality show called the presidential election. And this is not the first time it, it, this happens. This has been happening more and more over the past 60 years and maybe even from the beginning. I, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so that's my little rant about that. <laughs> Having said that, if you, there, there's another side to this, which is that in some ways, the person we elect as president affects our culture. You know, when we elected Barack Obama, it sent a message yeah. To the world, particularly, and to even to ourselves, of this is what we value. That's right. And the you know this man and the things that he says and the things that he represents are now things that we value, or at least fifty one percent of our country values. We like Kenyan communist dictator, socialist Muslims, right? And so when you look at Trump and we look at Hillary, what they symbolize is is a factor that I will concede upon that I think is important. I just wish it wasn't the president. I wish we elected a king and a queen or something, and they had nothing to do with politics, <laughs> and we could fight all about it, and then we could elect actual officials like England. <laughs> based, on, based on their positions. You know, yeah. like we had, like I wish that we had no idea who Trump was. I wish we had no idea who Hillary was, and all we did was know what they were promising, how they were going to yeah. vote, and the decisions on the ground that they were actually going to make. Like you're voting for a platform, a party, a thing. Yeah. Right. You're, you're voting for a position, yeah. not Hillary's past, yeah. you know, like the scandal she's been involved in, and Trump's scandals for, for that matter. It's like, yeah, it all just... Where, where I see some relevance um, in, in some of these aspects is um, folks that are looking at the, the systemic corruption on, say, the Hillary side. And, and by the way, it's not like Trump wouldn't be corrupt. It's just that, you know, he hasn't been in politics. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, there is concern that, oh, well, then that's just going to keep a corrupt system going, right? Yeah. Then on, on the Trump side, it's here's, here's the funny part. I honestly thought that this scandal wouldn't matter so much. And part of the reason was because Honestly, a He's lot He's had of, so many other scandals. Well, there's that. And yeah. a lot of us, including myself, used to say about Clinton, when I didn't really know much about it, I used to say, uh, Bill, I'm talking about, I used to say, oh, what happens in the bedroom is like, it shouldn't matter at all. It shouldn't matter at all. But in reality, we were, us liberals, I guess, progressive, whatever, we were enabling misogyny and abuse of power with women right. just as much. And, and so I was thinking... This isn't going to fly as a thing because the other side has been after Clinton for years. But you know what? What? This is the freaking issue that seems to be crumbling him down. Right. Well, here, here's, my, <laughs> here's my theory because 
I, I don't know if I've ever been so ground zero or not ground zero, but, <laughs> but so up to date on the presidential election. I usually kind of avoid it. I usually yeah. make a decision early on and, you know, I'll catch some of the news, but I, but it's like, I don't, I, I, I consider it a silly, you know, like I said, reality show, but I, so the alarm just went off. So that means that we have to uh, take a break. And when we get back, we'll continue the conversation. What do you say? Okay. So, Berto, we're back. But before we go on with our talk about Trump and apologies and all that kind of stuff, I just want to talk about our new sponsor, Loot Crate, which is something that they approached us and they said, hey, uh, if you talk about us on the show and you get your listeners to sign up, then we'll give you a kickback every time one of your listeners sign up. And so you go to lootcrate.com and you do the promo code psychology. So if you do the promo code, and you can tell your friends, like if they're going to sign up for Loot Crate, it'd be a great opportunity for the holidays that are coming up. You know, if you celebrate Christmas, it's a good Christmas gift. You give someone, you know, imagine giving someone a Christmas gift and then every month something comes to them in the mail. Yeah. And every month they're reminded of how great you are. It's not just a one-time event. That's right. Greatness. It's, it's every month. Gift that keeps on giving. Lootcrate.com. Go there. There's lots of different kind of loot crates that you can choose from that depending on the certain nerd stuff that you're into. I mean, if you've ever played video games like, you know, any, any dungeon crawler, you know, Diablo, and you, you come across, you just beat the monsters, and then you see the little chest in the corner. You walk up, you click the button to open it, and you're just so excited to see what's in there. There's gold coins, there's a new sword of damning, there's whatever, the helmet of destructo. That's Loot Crate, but for real. Like, yeah. real sword of damning comes to you every month. Yeah. Or a little uh, bobblehead of the guy from Deadpool or something. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so please do that. All right, let's get on with our talk here. Now, I'm sure we're not going to piss off anybody with this episode, so feel free to email us at contact at psychology in Seattle. Now, a lot of Republicans, so I'm, I'm sticking strictly to Republicans here. Yeah. I haven't given a single quote from anyone other than Republicans. A Republican was giving Trump advice. Many Republicans were giving Trump advice about how to apologize. Mm -hmm. So Frank Luntz, a Republican pollster, said, it is essential for Trump to acknowledge that what he said was wrong. Then he needs to apologize for it, ask for forgiveness, and finally do something that demonstrates a genuine change of heart. So Frank Luntz is very specific about what he thought Trump mm -hmm. needed to do. Oh, by the way, before we went to the break, I wanted to chime in on my theory as to why this particular scandal was damaging to Trump. And, and here's, my, right. here's my guess, is that Lots of Republicans were not wanting Trump. Most Republicans, in, especially the, the politicians the establishment, themselves, yeah. did not want Trump to That's be right. the nominee. But Trump's supporters had a extremely grassroots yeah. uh, movement that uh, got him the nomination. Plus, the competition wasn't very good. And no. the competition has not been good really for a long time. And so in, in the Republican presidential yeah. race. And so Trump, I think, kind of won by, you know, this sort of weird circumstance. And lots of Republicans, in, in, including politicians and, and non-politicians, were basically like, okay, fuck, we, we really don't want Hillary. 
So I guess we have to support Trump, even though I really don't want, (laughs) even though I really don't want to, because he's making us look like idiots. Right. Uh, And as, and so leading up to the, the election, Trump was doing this, Trump was doing that. But as we get within weeks of the actual election, and as it looks like, particularly after the first debate when Hillary, uh, quote unquote, won, and yeah. Trump's, Trump's numbers just started to plummet after that first debate. That's right. You have a whole bunch of Republicans in my book that are looking for any excuse to turn their back on Trump at this point. Because one, he's, it doesn't look like he's going to win. And two, they, when he wins, four year, like Paul Ryan, for instance, he's definitely going to run in four years. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to be the nominee, and I think he's already kind of prepping for that right now mm-hmm. by by being a, a vocal speaker outer against Trump. Because in four years, there's going to be questions about Trump in the national you know That's conversation. Right. They're going to be like, "Well, you are a supporter of that boob, so how can we even think <laughs> that you? How can we we don't respect you? You know what I mean? And this, especially if he wins, and it's a disastrous four years. Well, that's a different question because if you, I, I think if if they thought he was going to win, they would absolutely support him, because once he's in office, he would, you know, establish himself as as a powerful person and might even be able to like redeem his 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 uh, reputation. I mean, um, it is true that him in office, like you were saying earlier. Uh, he's not some omnipotent dictator, so he's going to be very well regulated. Right. The things where, I, and I think a lot of us have the concern is if he's going to do stupid stuff with world leaders, if he's going to appoint incredibly bad Supreme Court nominees, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know? Right. But the Congress has a say in all of those things. Yeah. And so the, the, the point is, is that I think that the scandal hit at a particular time when a lot of Republicans were looking for a way out. Yeah. And as a way, kind of, to preserve their own careers. And they took that opportunity when this happened. So that's why I think it, it had... Okay. Bill Dallas, an, an evangelical leader, he thinks Christian voters will forgive Trump if Trump can convince them that he has a true change of heart. He says that Trump should make it clear that he understands how, quote-unquote, ugly, despicable, and horrible his words were. And he should tell people that he's changed now. So this is more advice about how Trump really needs to apologize. Right. Alice Stewart, a former spokeswoman for Texas Senator Ted Cruz, quote, said, Trump needs to show true remorse and convey that this type of disrespectful behavior will not happen again. In addition, he needs to stop comparing his actions to anyone else who is not running for president. I guess referring to Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Barry Bennett, a former Trump advisor, said, quote, I think contrition is all he can do to try to save this, but it will need to be extraordinary. We will need to see the greatest apology ever given just to have a chance. It seems improbable, if not impossible. So again, this is all Republican people talking. All right, so now let's get into the, anal- the analysis of his, of his apology here. This is from Kirchhoff and colleagues, published in 2009, based on a comprehensive review of 39 studies of apology research. We established uh, nine different components, and the first one is a statement of apology for one's one's transgression. 
Did he do this? For example, someone might say, I'm sorry, I apologize. Did he do that, Bert? Yes. Okay. So he said, I said it, it was wrong, and I apologize. So yes, he, he completed one of the nine steps That's right. of an apology. All right, number two, naming the offense. For example, what I did was dot, dot, dot. Did he do this, Berto? No. I, I would say he sort of did it. Well, no, he said uh, it's locker room banter. He labeled it as locker room banter. Well, that's, a, that's another thing that he's saying, but this is what he said. I've said and done things that I regret, and the words released today on this more than a decade old video are one of them. So he says, what I did was those words that you heard. So it's a sort of. He didn't, what he didn't yeah. say would have been a more slam dunk on this would have been, I said things, I said it was okay to sexually assault women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry for that. He didn't say that. Right. But he acknowledged that because he could have, I didn't say those things or I don't even know what you guys are talking like, sure, like, sure. So he, so tangentially he, he referred to yeah. something that he said. So he did number one for sure. Number two, Eh, kind of. Number three, taking responsibility for the offense. For example, I am responsible for what happened. Did he do this, Berto? The first statement you read, he sort of did, but everything after that invalidated that. Yeah. So I would say, yes, he did it. Depending on the degree as to how much you would need this to be met. He said, I said it. I was, it was wrong, and I apologize. That was the first statement. That was the because first Because after that, it was like, basically, he started caveating everything look bill bill said way worse and i didn't it was just locker room banter so eventually it started getting more and more diluted right um he also said to see this was locker room banter, a private conversation oh no what do you say i apologize uh no what do you say he says i, I uh i'm not proud of it so this is during the debate yeah. he says i'm not proud of it i apologize to my family i apologize to the american people certainly i'm not proud of it but this was locker room talk. <laughs> yeah, but this was locker room talk. Right, right. A true apology has no buts yeah. in it. And I actually, one of the main reasons why apologies are researched and why I'm so interested in it is because a major part of my counseling and therapy of people involves apologies, particularly in couples therapy, but even in individual therapy. Apologies are not often well done. And when they are well done, when they're from the heart and they involve as many elements as you can that we're going to discuss, they can correct things that need to be corrected for. And it's just, it's fair, it's, it's, and it's pro-social. But anyway, number four, attempting to explain the offense but not really trying to explain it away. Did he do this, Berto? Um, the locker room. Well, no, because that's an attempt to explain it away. This is just locker room talk. Right. So it's here are the quotes. Boys that, will be boys. So here are, the, here are the quotes that he's saying. Anyone who knows me knows that these words don't reflect who I am. So he's trying to explain that what he said essentially doesn't reflect how he thinks. He's trying to explain. Another thing he says, this was locker room banter, a private conversation that took place many years ago. So that's another kind of statement of like it happened a long time ago. That's explaining it away. Well, he's, he, it's again, it's one of those depending on your political stance. If you're, if you're a Trump supporter, my guess is you would say, yeah, he, he explained it. It happened a long time ago. He doesn't feel this way anymore. It's just a private conversation. Uh, and if you're not a Trump fan, then I my mean, guess what, is you don't see it that way. Well, what he, what he could have done, which I know he would have never, ever done and would be very hard for a lot of people to do, is say something like, 
look, I'm an insecure person. Right. And these statements reflected a lot more about what I would love to be the reality that it's not, you know, some, something along those lines. Exactly. That, that would be the more appropriate, yeah. you know, something, something like, yes, I used to think this way, but over the past 10 years, 11 years, I've thought more about it, and I yes. realized that treating women right. like this is just not okay. And, it, it's not okay to treat women like objects, but that's how I was raised. But now I know that's unfair to women, and... I've been trying really hard not to do that anymore. That that would be right. an explanation without explaining it away. And the reason this is not going to happen or come natural is because in reality, he does feel that way, and he's done stuff like that. It's hard to say. You Now, that's obviously potentially true, but because he's in the limelight, it is a strategic move to essentially that's been his whole strategy from the beginning and a lot of politicians do this is they essentially just say the reality they want you to believe mm-hmm. and your supporters will just latch on to that sure. and and other people who are on the fence will start being convinced of that yeah. you know and so it, it's hard to say if this was the right strategy because you got to wonder i mean to me you know what what if he had said a really heartfelt apology I would only assume that his numbers would go up. Yeah. But I'm guessing his strategist didn't think that or he didn't want to do it or I don't know. It seems weird because you, I don't think a heartfelt apology would hurt him with the people that are going to unconditionally support him. I think it would help him with the fencers. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, number five, conveying emotions like shame or remorse. Did he do this, Bruno? Just superficially. I don't even think superficially. I mean, when he's like, he's, I'm, I'm not proud or I'm embarrassed, whatever oh, okay. he said. Pr- but pretty, I mean... I know, it's super superficial. <laughs> no, that, that's not, yeah, that's not... A, a true emotion is something like, when I heard that... Yeah, you're right. I, I felt so ashamed of what was coming out of my yes, mouth. Yeah, yeah. And I am so sorry that I did those things. I'm, I'm an insecure person. My, I mean, people make mistakes, you know? And there's masculinity socialization in our culture. Yeah. You could, you know, you, if you really apologized, you know, fencers might have, might have gone. Number six, addressing the emotions of and or damage to the offended party. Did he address the emotions or damage to the offended party? No. I mean, for one thing, I, I haven't heard any statements about the gal he was about that, that they were meeting. Right. Like, because even though he wasn't directly saying, I'm going to grab her pussy, like he wasn't doing yeah. that. It was, it was about her that they were talking about implicitly. Right. And it was like, there's no mention of that, you right. know. It's yeah. Like, no. They're, so disrespectful they're, to her and, yeah. you know, nothing. Yeah. Something like, I'm so sorry that well the offended party to some extent is the the American people you know sure. and maybe women in particular but uh but really just everybody and so but did, I mean what is he going to address- say like all those years of Miss America I, I mean I'm now looking back on that thinking that maybe I've perpetuated a sta- a set of uh imp- you know like impositions yeah. on women no no he's not going to say any of this right <laughs> Number seven, promising forbearance. For example, I'm going to try to refrain from doing that again. Did he do that? Bro? No. Yeah. He's no. going to continue to locker room talk. Yeah. Uh, number eight, offering reparation. Uh, for example, offering something tangible to the offended party. No. Okay. Number nine, the last one, requesting apology acceptance. Did he say, please accept, do you accept my apology? No. No. So it seems that he completed two out of nine 
uh, he he had a statement of apology. He said, "I'm sorry, I apologize," and he's to some you know debatable, but he seemingly kind of took responsibility for what happened. He's like, "I did those things," but in some other ways, you could say he didn't. So maybe we could say he did one and one point five out of nine of the steps. <laughs> And research shows that the the greater the offense and the 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 more hurtful it is to the to the offended party, the more of these nine elements you need. And so, how many uh, elements do you think he should have had? Given you know how big was the offense? Was it a was it a nine element con- uh, offense or was it a one point five element? Con- offense? It was at least an eight, <laughs> right? So. Uh, for for him to for you to well let me ask you this bro if he had had eight and you know really convincingly meant it meaning that you believed him right and, and he was he actually was sorry would you and when he comes to you and says American people like Umberto do you accept my apology would you have accepted his oh apology? absolutely okay and, but, but you know we're assuming. Infinity right now because yeah. what happens is like I always uh, I think I've I don't know if I talked about this last time but I used to look up to the guy when I knew nothing about him yeah and I just watched him on The Apprentice I kind of saw him as a little bit of a father figure I'm like oh he seems so po- well put together so decent so like right you know um so I always wanted to like him right and he's just over the years I've learned more about him making making it harder and harder for me to like anything about him. Yeah, I guess I would be sensitive to that if he really came to and and really saw the connections between his life and everything he stood for and what those statements meant. But of course, that would never happen. But if it somehow did, sure, I'd be ready to listen. The last thing I'll say here is that Trump's main defense is to say that Bill Clinton did even worse to women uh, in the 90s or, you know, that's right, back in the past. And... Uh, what I say to that is that doesn't make what you did right. Nope. If two rapists rape people and you accuse one of doing something wrong, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a de- it's not proper as a defense to say, well, someone else raped someone too. <laughs> Here's what I would say, and, and I know that this would still be a tall order for many people, but if I were, if I were him, I would say something along those lines of like, Absolutely, I I have been sexist, and for that I apologize, and I'm learning, and I've learned a lot. Blah blah blah. blah right? I'd say that part of it, and I'd say, here's the thing, and I and I hate to bring this up, but there were eight years of pretty good leadership under Bill Clinton, and that's a man that also had a lot of downfalls in this category. I have, I am. This is not going to be the deciding factor of me being a good president, and I promise you that. But I am learning. Blah blah. And you see where I'm going with this, yeah. right? Instead of well, Bill Clinton's worse. I know. <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, he can, why not just Cosby? Just, just go with Cosby. But to his base, they actually, it's, that's irrelevant. Well, of course, because it's Clinton hate. Yeah. Right. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's Bill is Hillary yeah. and they're terrible people right. to them. And, and so it all, it's all coherent to, yeah. to his base. Uh, you know, the, the Trump supporters that I see on Facebook and online are a hundred percent behind uh, Trump. That this doesn't change a single thing, uh, women included. So uh, you know, here's here's something that makes it really hard to have a solid footing when we uh, on the left, I, sh- I guess I'll say, are pointing fingers in this matter. For for decades, 
um, there have been fingers pointed in our direction about the things said, for example, in rap music. And there are lyrics, like from Eminem and many, many rappers, that, that talk about murdering women in violent ways and abusing them in very violent ways. Yeah. And our defense has always been like, yeah, that's horrible, but that's freedom of speech. Yeah. Okay. I think the difference in this case is like, yeah, Donald is a free man to speak, but it doesn't mean we have to elect him president. Right. Right, yeah. I mean, he can say what he wants to say regarding that, and we can say what we think about it. Yeah. But, right, it's not a it's not a free speech issue. But, Berto, tell me, you're a man, right? I think so. You've been in locker rooms before. I'm, I have two X's in my chromosomes. And you've been in locker rooms, right? I have, yes. Uh, do men talk like this? Well, first of all, in my experience, locker room talk is a misnomer because normally in locker rooms, you're actually like... Talking either if you were in a sports team, you're you're more talking about like the thing that it just happened or will be happening. You might someone might be talking about some girl they like and things like that. But if we're talking about more generally about guy talk about women, there are absolutely any number of um, sexist and objectifying things that I've heard and said over the years, especially as I as I was younger. Absolutely, it is rare. To say things, because and maybe it's because we're not powerful. We're not white and powerful, or at least male and powerful. We're not. Well, sorry, we are not powerful. Uh, it is rare to say things like, uh, "Oh, you could just, you know, if you do such and such, you can just get a woman to do whatever you want, or you can just drag him into your room or do this." That I have not come across. That is right. talking about how you can take advantage of women physically and things like that. I have a feeling, though. That the more powerful you get, the more you're in circles where they do talk like that. Right. And or you get away with it because you have a bunch of yes men around you. Sure. Just saying like, oh, yeah, sure. You For know. example, I am convinced he's not lying about the golf discussions with Clinton and probably many other of his quote unquote buddies. Right. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, they were friends. That's that's the just weird thing about this is that. Trump and the and Bill and Hillary were friends. Like Bill and Hillary went to Trump's yeah. wedding. Yep. So you know, it's like strange just, bedfellows. Just a strange world is, you know, like when it came out that Osama bin Laden and his family were like really close to the Bush family or yeah. something. You know, it's like what right, is right. going on in this world? It's you know it it gives fuel to the Illuminati conspirators. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What I'll say is is that as a man myself. Certainly, when you get a bunch of guys together, because we've been socialized to believe that masculinity, you know, the the tenets of American masculinity are the best thing to be as a man, that you will hear things that if you recorded it and, you know, broadcasted it to the world would be just like this. Maybe not in this way because it's not like I know a lot of stars that can just walk around sexually assaulting people and quote unquote getting away with it. That's right. But similar kinds of ideas, you know, like, I don't know, something that I might hear is, uh, well, something that I, I hear a lot of is people, men gawking at other women when they don't think the women can hear them and just like really commenting on the way that they look in that in, in really objectifying ways. And so that I've, I've, I've experienced that extensively in my life, even with people that were 10 years, my senior 
who were in a position of power in my business, like, and who were on the surface, uh, super upright family man, blah, blah, blah. And you were in a meeting and you would hear them, they would look out the window, see a woman walking by, and they would say, really aggressive sexually things about that person. I'm going to... Uh, what I would do to yes. that. Yeah. Now... And that's what these guys none, are doing before the that's talk right. about the But gravity. none of these things were when you have power. Now, what I have heard is I've heard uh, in accounts from other celebrities, uh, Will Chamberlain, things like this, that where they have accounts of how many women they've had. and this, There are oftentimes mentions of things like, oh, they'll just let you do anything, man. That does reoccur as a theme. Right. That power does lead to like them getting away with you well, know, a lot. Well, so there's a fine line between women that basically see Wilt Chamberlain and say, if he hits on me, I'm going to let him do whatever he wants because he's Wilt Chamberlain. And I want to... If, if he will let me have sex with him, I will have sex with him. You know what I mean? Like, there's certainly women that will say that. There's a fine line between that and I did not want to have sex with Wilt Chamberlain but he's a big star and I'm intimidated by that and I don't want to go down to second base, third base, home with him, but he's such a big star and he has a lot of power and so I'm just going to quote-unquote let him do these, do those things to me. That's that, There's a very important distinction between those two things. Yeah, but, it, but Trump could claim like it depends on what the definition of let is, right? Right. Because let, in his mind, could be, well, no, they're, I'm not forcing them. They want to. Right. I they're th- letting me do it. And I think that's an important point, it's, or not important, but kind of a sub-point to this whole thing, is that he, he's it's not clear what he was saying when he said that. It's clearly misogynistic. It's clearly yeah. rape culture talk. He's, he, yeah. But but was he saying, yeah, they let me even though they don't want to, meaning they let me even though they want to fight back, but they let me because I'm a big star? Or is he saying they let me because they want me to do that because I'm a big star? Because they can go home <laughs> and say, that big star grabbed my pussy last night. <laughs> Look, even Cosby... Who was accused of drugging yeah. hundreds or whatever of women, right? Even in his mind, he's not. He doesn't see it as uh, abusive, right? Has he's he, like, has he come out and said that? No, no, no. Because what he's oh, what he admitted in court and stuff like that is that he did use these substances. But uh, they, but he said they wanted to. Yeah, it was like it's always like well, no, I mean, and the assumption at those levels of power is like, well, of course they want to sleep with me. Right. That what do you think? Bill Clinton was sitting there like. Oh, I wonder if she wants to have sex with the president. No, in his mind, it's like, I'm the president. Of course she wants it. Right. And so when Trump is saying, like, you can do anything, they, they let you, he's not meaning, oh, they're screaming and bloody and they let me. No, no, no. He means they want me. Because think of his, his ego, right? Yeah. Of course he wants to believe that they want him. Well, I think that's perhaps giving these guys too much to credit, too much credit. I mean, that's possible. Obviously, it's not even credit. It's just, it's just. Well, no, it's a little bit of credit because basically, what you're saying is that they believe that it is consensual, essentially. But, oh yeah. I, but but I and I, certainly that could be the case. But it also could be the case that they just don't even care. That even yeah. if it is, yeah. even if it isn't consensual, they're like, well, I have the right to do that because yeah. I'm a man, because I'm a person of power. And I don't really care what's going on in their heads. And that's fair. But it's hard to conclude from just that one statement how far along that spectrum right. the dawn is. Right. We do have the his previous wife accusing him of, yeah. of rape. Yeah. 
and then she recounted that. Yeah. A lot of victims will will yeah. re- recant, recount, recant, recant, recant. Recount is to re- retell. Right. Recant is to take back. But yeah, I mean, and you know, and, and Clinton has been accused and, and tr- yeah. settled out of court for $800,000. Yeah, I think, I think it's pretty clear that Bill Clinton was a rapist. Yeah. I, I don't, we don't, okay, right. fine. And Trump, you said super rapey things. Yeah, the unclear thing, but it doesn't really matter because he's still, a, he's still a, a horrible person, right? But, but the unclear thing is just how rapey is Trump. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. But we have to imagine it's pretty rapey. <laughs> the, the, well, I don't know. The, you yeah. know, we just have to wait for the evidence, you know, that yeah. I'm guessing will start coming out about him. There's and all it, that creepy stuff with his daughter, the way he talks about her. Right. That was pretty that. creepy. But, but I don't know. There, it's just, I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions yeah. until I have more information. The last thing I'll say, I just want to emphasize, is that all this is highlighting the culture of rape and the culture of misogyny and the culture of female objectif- object- objectification, the culture of treating women like sex objects that they can just be grabbed because you want to, the culture of masculinity that men are supposed to do that in order to establish their manhood, their value depends on their ability to grab as many pussies as possible. Trump has been indoctrinated into that culture just as much as anybody else. And I find that it's very, uh, shall I say, happy for me that the the gestalt of this event in the news and in our culture is that what Trump did was deplorable, even to Republicans. They think this was horrible, what he said. And almost, you know, the the we seem to have hit a critical mass regarding sexual objectification of women in our culture to the point where when someone says this, the vast majority of our, of our populace actually reacts in a progressive, uh, accurate, fair, just way. There are certainly pockets of people that are not reacting well, but I, I, you know, it's similar to, there was a critical mass at a certain point where most Americans said, yes, of course, gay people should be able to get married. What's wrong with that? There was a point when that was not the case, when most Americans thought gay people should not be able to get yeah. married. So there was this tipping point at some point. And the reason why it tipped was not because we just naturally went down a road. It was because of everyone fighting to get, you know, advocating, speaking out, legal actions, uh, everyone educating themselves, educating other people. We're just slowly, you know, just crawling our way inch by inch down this path. And then we crossed that 50% line. And then now we're in the majority where gay people can now get married. And in a similar way, we've been crawling our way through gender politics and through feminism. And we've been crawling our way towards saying, look, this is, this is rape culture, and this is this is not good for our society, and it's unfair. And this message is a terrible message for you know people to hear, and and we need to absolutely strike out against this. We have old white male Republicans speaking out against what what Trump has been saying. He's saying uh, it is. Uh, let's see, but Trump needs to show true remorse. Alice Stewart. Trump needs to show true remorse and convey that this type of disrespectful ha- behavior will never happen again. 
evangelical leader, Bill Dallas. This is ugly, despicable, and horrible, uh, what, what he said. So I, I find this to be evidence that our society is getting better. To throw some cold water on it, though, a lot of that reaction is because it's sex. Because see, here's the problem. The same folks... Uh, and like Michelle Bachman and then that leader are likely to say stuff like, which they have, um, uh, the woman's place is to serve her husband. You know, the yeah. woman is subservient to the husband. And they've fought against women's rights all along, right? And, you know, they don't really want the right to choose and things like that. So in this case, he used naughty words. Yeah. And he's a Republican leader. And he talked about pussies. Yeah. And I think that's the, the straw that broke their back. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, one, what's the opposite of silver lining kind of looking at it? Yeah. And certainly there's a lot of elements like that. like a cynical lining. <laughs> yeah. Like when these men get on the TV and they're like, I have a daughter, I have a wife, I have a mother, and these words, uh, you know, they always start off this, have you, have you seen politicians and pundits yeah. talking like that? It's the dumbest thing. It's like, okay, so assuming you didn't have a daughter, assuming you didn't have a wife, uh, I guess we all have mothers. Yeah, but but that's like when Obama said that his he imagined that this could have been his uh, his son. Well, about Trayvon Martin, I guess maybe you know it's a little different because it wasn't like he said, "I have a son" or something. Well, or I, I mean, he started it. <laughs> well, all that kind of bugs me because you know by implication you wouldn't care unless you had a female in your life. When in reality, it has nothing to do with female or male. A, a person was being unfair about another human being, regardless of gender. Yeah. Now, gender is a part of it. But yeah. to me, you don't need to have a female in your life to care about I other females. You. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's just the same thing that happens with gay rights, right? Okay, turns out my daughter's gay, so I now think that maybe there should be, you know? Right. Exactly. It's like you don't need to have a gay person in your life or even yeah. know of a gay person to care about the rights of a gay person. Yeah. It, or, you know, I have a black friend, all that kind of stupid talk. It's like, stop talking that way. Um, yeah. So, so and, and the other thing is, is it's like this patriarchal way of talking about it. It's like, I have a da- I have three daughters and a wife, and I protect them. I and know. when I hear Trump talking about women, I get protective. You know, it's like it's this really patriarchal way of approaching it. I, I hear you, but but can we fight one battle at a time? <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.